Grace, mercy, and the peace of God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit be with you today. Today is Trinity Sunday on the church calendar, on the liturgical calendar that we follow as a church, as a denomination. We follow a three-year series of readings, and the church calendar begins with the Advent season, uh, approaching the celebration of the birth of Jesus continues with the Christmas season as we celebrate that birth. Following that, the Epiphany season, revealing who Jesus is. Lent follows Epiphany as we prepare our hearts and minds to celebrate the crucifixion of Jesus and then the resurrection of Jesus, which ushers in, of course, the Easter season. Last week was Pentecost Day, which kicks off the Pentecost season. This lasts about half of the church calendar, actually. So the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is the focus of Pentecost Sunday. And then the following Sunday, we celebrate, we recognize God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So some of that has been integrated into the music choices of the day, but we still today focus on the work of the Holy Spirit. That's our series that we're in that we began last week. As we talk about the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit does, and how the Spirit is at work among us and in his church. Today, as we focus on the Spirit, we talk about how the Spirit speaks. This past week, I recorded a One Minute Wednesday. You can check that out through the church website, or if you're on the church Facebook page, you can find it there as well. And uh, in this, well, this week, minute and a half, I talked about how the, the Spirit of God is, in a way, bear with me for a second here, like the coronavirus. Not in the way that the coronavirus affects us by bringing illness and separation and isolation and, for many, too many people, death. The Spirit does something far different from that connects us into a community and brings life to us. But the way that it's the same is this. The Spirit, as Jesus says in John chapter 3, moves where and how he will. Jesus actually compares the wind blowing to the work of the movement of the Spirit. The wind blows where it wishes. You can't see where it's coming from, where it's going. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The same word that's translated spirit there is ruach, if it's the Hebrew language. And in the New Testament, it's Greek, and that's pneuma. Both words can be translated wind or breath, spirit or air. In Acts chapter 2, the, the spirit is, when it arrives, the, the disciples hear the sound of a rushing wind. The spirit moves like wind. The virus moves on the air. We can't see it happen. We don't notice it immediately. And I know this from experience this week, but it affects us. The Spirit affects us. Jesus promised that the Spirit would come. And in John chapter 16, verse 7, he said this, It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Today, we talk about how the Spirit has come and how the Spirit works. The Spirit speaks. The Spirit speaks the truth. 
And that's helpful. That's good because the world makes us skeptical. The world makes us doubters of a lot of the things that we hear. Have you found yourself doubting when you hear news, you hear a story, you hear something that sounds too good to be true or even something on the news? Whatever your news outlet is, no matter where it falls on the the spectrum of news sources, you have to admit that it has some kind of lens, some kind of filter, some kind of underlying even agenda within that news source. If it's television, if it's, you know, most people put Fox News on one side and CNN on the other side of a continuum. And no matter where you fall, wherever you land and get your news, and maybe there's something in the middle where you can kind of rely on it. I heard a story recently that uh, one of the most trusted news sources for people in the U.S. is BBC, which I thought was somewhat entertaining, that we don't trust anything that originates here in America. We trust the most something that's outside of the country. There's an old show called Dragnet. I don't remember watching it maybe more than a couple of times, but I remember that one line. Just the facts, ma'am. Sometimes we don't get just the facts. And sometimes facts are difficult because witnesses to an event will have different perspectives. And two people sharing the story of the same occurrence can share very different accounts of how things happened. If there's a traffic accident, witnesses of that accident that are in two different places might tell a different story about the same exact event that happens. Boston and the Bay Area are probably telling different stories about what's going down in the NBA finals as a team from here and a team from the other side of the country are pitted against each other in that sporting event. Other news stories, whether it's inflation in the economy or events that have involved violence, and we've had so many of those lately, the war in Ukraine, or those, all the stories vary in their style, in their content. I even heard that um, Jack Del Rio, a football coach, called the events of January 6th a, a dust-up and then defended that statement. Now, I don't know what you think about January 6th of last year, but regardless, it was definitely more than a dust-up. Hmm. How do we look at things? How do we understand things? Our source of information is vital. It's important. Among politicians, they call it spin, right? Whatever the story is, let's make sure that our side of it makes us look good. Anything bad must be the prior administration. Anything good must be our efforts, our policies. And no matter what, how you feel about the current administration, the previous administration, the one before that, before that, before that, they all seem to be similar in this way. Even friends, though. I mean, forget the news and the politicians, even friends, people we know, people we care about. Sometimes it's hard to speak truth. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We want to maybe help them understand something without being too critical. 
We don't want to cause hurt, and confrontation can be challenging. I know within my personality that confrontation is a, a tremendous challenge for me. It's not that I want to hide the truth or want to put spin on something, but it's just difficult if it's going to be confrontational for me to do that. In all of these ways, it can be difficult for us to develop trust. We can be cynical. We can be skeptical. But we can know this for sure. The Spirit tells the truth. It's a promise of Jesus. We heard these words in John chapter 16. At verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. When Kip was here, he used an illustration in his sermon that I just really loved. If you missed it, you can um, ask somebody about it. He used the illustration when you're witnessing, you're looking for moths, not cockroaches. Maybe you remember this. When you turn on the light, moths gather to the light, cockroaches scatter. Today, I want to use a similar thought process, give you a a word picture for the parts of this message. The Spirit tells the truth. And a lot of times when we imagine the Holy Spirit, when artists portray the Spirit, it looks like a dove. And that comes from Jesus' baptism. In the accounts of Jesus' baptism, the Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. And so we get this kind of bird image of what Jesus looks, or sorry, the Spirit looks like. Well, I don't want to use a dove as our bird images, or image for this part of the message. I want to use the idea of a parrot. A parrot is a different kind of bird, a bird that can speak. Now, a parrot doesn't speak in thoughtful ways. A parrot simply repeats what he hears or she The parrot can understand maybe the context and can insert, after learning it, the right word or phrase. But that comes through learning and through repeating. The spirit in this way, now I'm not saying the spirit is unintelligent in the same way that a parrot doesn't understand the language. I'm saying that the spirit of God repeats what he hears. The spirit of God delivers The message of God directly is the conduit without filter, without change, without hesitation, speaking those words, speaking the words of God. And the Spirit is truthful. These words, Jesus calls him the Spirit of truth. And so we can trust God's word. We can trust God's word because it's delivered by the Spirit. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says this, prophecy, words that were written, right? Prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy, the apostle Paul, describes the word, Scripture, as God-breathed. God breathed, there it is, breath again, air, spirit. It's the spirit of God at work, even creating what we have as the written word and carrying that message from God to us 
through prophets, through the written word, and through the word that we have read, sung, preached, proclaimed, meditated on. That word gets into us, and through that word, which is not dead words in a dusty book, but through that word, the Spirit works. So the Spirit speaks truth, and the Spirit speaks to us. The Spirit speaking is like a parrot. The Spirit delivering grace is like a carrier pigeon. Back in World War I, just over 100 years ago now, as technology was developing and the radio and the telephone were becoming instruments to use to communicate even during a time of war, well, that technology proved to be not completely reliable. Radios can get out of range. Batteries can fail. Electrical connections can, can become unplugged, disconnected. If it's over a telephone, those wires can be destroyed. Those towers can be knocked over. And so it was found that carrier pigeons were still indispensable in the bringing of messages from one place to another. Cher Ami was a famous carrier pigeon, delivered a message from trapped soldiers who were sustaining friendly fire. That lost battalion was saved because a message was sent from the battalion back to where they came from, and that was communicated to those who were doing the, the bombing to stop or to change their targeting. The battalion was saved. Hundreds of lives were saved because that message was delivered. This is what the Spirit of God is like. Like a carrier pigeon delivering a word of life. See, the Spirit delivers God's grace. The grace of God is unknown to us as we are. In and of ourselves, we can't find it. We don't hear it. We don't seek it. We wouldn't listen to it. But we need to hear it. We need to receive it. We need to listen to it. We need to receive that gift. In Acts chapter 2, at Pentecost, Peter is the one who boldly, surprise, surprise, stands up and addresses the crowd, people who came together because they heard the sound, they heard people proclaiming in their languages, they were all confused about this, and Peter stands up and says, hey, listen, I've got something to say. He goes through this sermon in Acts chapter 2 about who Jesus is, about the crucifixion, part of which we read today. A little bit beyond our Acts 2 reading for today, verse 38 says this, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Spirit bringing grace. That's what the Spirit does. The Spirit works within us, enabling us to come to faith in Jesus, working through the means of grace through word and sacrament. And by doing that, the word brings us life. In John chapter 6, in a section where Jesus is talking about the bread of life, <clears throat> he's, he's talking to people about consuming the bread of life, and he equates it to his flesh. This is in the book of John, 
the closest we have to the institution of the Lord's Supper. That upper room scene, John doesn't describe that. Instead, John describes the foot washing taking place at the the Last Supper. But in John chapter 6, he's talking about the the bread of life and this life-giving consumption. And he even goes on to say this, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. The word is living and active. Its meaning can touch us differently at different times. Not that the meaning changes, but our needs change. Our place in life, our context changes over time. And so the, the way that the word impacts and affects us through the spirit of God at work, through the same words on the page, we can get a, a different meaning, a different impact in our lives, in our souls. The words of grace, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are a blessed child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So if we hear and we receive and we understand and we believe, that's the spirit at work already in us. The spirit has worked. The spirit has worked within us to bring us to this place of faith where we have the forgiveness of our sin. That is a gift from God to you and to me. And the world needs that message. And so the spirit speaks through us. Having considered the spirit to be in a way similar to a parrot, in a way similar to a carrier pigeon. Now we can think about ourselves not being the bird, but imitating, like a bird call. The ability to imitate the call, the whistle, the sound of a bird. Do you have any bird calls that you can do? Maybe don't do them now. I mean, if you're at home on the stream, you could probably do it, but I've learned a couple, <clears throat> not really, not that closely, but growing up where we had a lot of woods and a lot of trees, there were a lot of birds we could hear. There's one in the Midwest. I don't know if it's a local bird to the Bay Area or not, but the Bob White sounds a little bit like this. It's a little hard to whistle and have it get picked up on the microphone, but maybe you can imagine it. I read about a woman who named Nicole Peretta from Arizona who can imitate 165 total bird calls. You can find videos of her online. Quite amazing when she's imitating the bird call. The way that we do this, what this really means is that we relay the message. We make the sound so that people can hear the Spirit. So that the Spirit's word can be spoken. So that the Spirit's voice can be heard through our voices. We can relay the message. Ever feel like you don't know what to say? Tongue-tied. Particularly when it comes to an opportunity to witness, to share your faith, to speak the gospel. I've been there. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus comforts his disciples. Tells them that they'll face persecution. 
but that will put them in front of governors and kings and they'll have the opportunity to speak. And he says this in verse 20, it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. The spirit can speak through us. The words of the spirit can come through us even when we don't expect it. A few weeks ago, I was just thinking. I started thinking out loud and thinking about, you know, kind of what could be. And I started describing a, a situation I hadn't even really anticipated before, and it was somewhat surreal because these words were coming out of my mouth that I really hadn't thought through. And for me, that's not usually the case. I try to think ahead of what I want to say, how I want to say it. Sometimes that's how it is as the Spirit speaks through us. The Spirit speaks through us because people need to hear the word of grace. But they need to hear it in a context from a source. See, they're skeptical too, just like us. And a lot of people in this broken world are skeptical of followers of Jesus. And the words we have to say, can they believe God because they wonder if they can believe us? Paul and I remember seeing a street evangelist a long time ago. We were in Europe in a place where English was prevalent, but it wasn't, <coughs> wasn't the language on the street. There was a street evangelist, had a, a bullhorn, and was on the walking street, I think standing on a milk crate or something to be elevated above the crowd and, and was speaking. And we knew it was an evangelist, just we could pick up every couple of words, things that were being said. And we, we thought, that's just kind of tragic that the words that the person is speaking are intended to promote the gospel and, and to share a, a perspective of faith. But in that context, with people that are unknown, with no relationship and just a brief moment, and the tone of voice, it sounded condemning, it sounded angry, and for a lot of people, this is what they hear. This is what they experience. People need a caring person to bring them the caring message of the Spirit. The Spirit can speak through us. We can relay the message, and the Spirit makes us bold. Verse 14, Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. In a way, kind of like that street evangelist did. But Peter had the attention, and the Spirit was poured out in a powerful way on the people who had gathered and on all these 11 apostles. The Spirit will inspire us to speak, to act, to live boldly for him. So what is the Spirit encouraging you to do? Be bold. Speak. Share that word of grace that you've heard. And let the Spirit do his work. To us. 
through us, the Holy Spirit speaks the truth. Amen.